Hello, gamers. It's time for the Perfectly Generic Podcast. Uh, the Perfectly Generic Podcast contains spoilers, occasional adult language, and Briska. Uh, you've been warned. Uh, this is Pigeon Pod Live at... <laughs> Hello, Kate. It's gamers. This is Pigeon Pod Live at Stuck at Home Con 2019, an online con experience for people who want to talk about Homestuck but don't want to leave their house, which I think is a very <laughs> relatable sort of... It's an honorable mission. Uh, I'm here with Gumi, president for life of the Perfectly Generic Music team. Hello, everyone. Gumi, it's so good to have you. How's how's your how's your SOCON experience been? Stressful, but fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Like, so what, I want to talk a little bit about this event before we start to get into things. Which is like, uh, when did this? Like, can you talk me through like? Uh, how it inspired this idea and like how it's been preparing for it. All right, so um, I can't tell you exactly how like it spawned because it was all um, Crow's idea mm-hmm. at first. Um, I think they mentioned that it it came about when when they and Cat were talking for the first time, and um, it just kind of spiraled from there. But I was brought along about I guess I want to say like a couple weeks into the idea forming process mm-hmm. of the convention, and um, it just kind of like spiraled from there we really want to try and follow the the convention rules of um crap what's the brony con that does this <laughs> I d- bold of <laughs> me to a- assume i know anything about bronies it, it was a rhetorical question but hold on <laughs> there, there is a brony co- there's a brony convention that is held online and we want to do the same thing as um as them for homestuck basically uh-huh. so we uh, Crow went and actually asked the person that ran that, like, questions about how they ran it. And we set it up basically the same way as they did, except we also added an artist alley. They, they just focus on um, panels. They don't even have an artist alley, at least from what I know. And they might have added it this year, but uh-huh. that's what I know about last year. Well, you know, Homestuck um, artists are too, are, have been scared off of participating in real artist alleys um, for Oh, years. yeah. Uh, so we have so a, that, uh, you know, since, since we, since we lasted the show, um, the, uh, Viz, Viz Media sent a significant number of takedown requests to people selling, uh, fan art merchandise on Redbubble. Um, yeah. which I first saw, uh, by the incredibly thematically appropriate takedown of them, um, sending a cease and desist to an image of, of crucified Gamzee. Um, <laughs> And so, personally, I think that, like, the image of our fan resistance to to this decision by Viz uh, should be, you know, the crucified Gamzee. Gamzee Makara as the crucified Christ. Like, he, Viz Media crucified this clown for our sins. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time for for, Ga- for the crucified Gamzee to rise up and come back and be the savior of Homestuck fan merch. <laughs> Bold to assume that Gams Jesus. I I think I think actually if you look at it, if you look at Homestuck, I think that Gamzy is one of the most Jesus like figures in Homestuck. I hmm. Yeah, but that doesn't make it good. <laughs> it doesn't make me want to like that. Uh-huh. I you know, it's it's important to understand the religious reading of Homestuck. Um, but I like you know, Gamsey is, Gamsey is, he's a part. I would say that there's an analog between Lord English and the Trinity, right? Um, oh, God, yeah, there is. <laughs> See, I don't think about religion that much. So, like, every time you say this, I'm just making, like, little string connections in my brain that uh-huh. I never really wanted to. And <laughs> it just makes sense now. Well, okay, so, like, uh, Caliborn is the father. Um, Gamsey is the son. Or wait, Gamzee raised Caliborn, so I guess Gamzee's yeah. the father. Yeah, Gamzee's the father. Caliborn's the son. Caliborn's the son, and, um... Arqueus is the Holy Spirit. God, I hate this. You mean the horsey spirit? The horsey <laughs> 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 Yeah, that sounds right. Great. <laughs> Alright, so we got that settled. Uh-huh, I think that makes... Does that make... I think... Is the Condess Mary Magdalene? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think so. That's normal. Sure. I this think is these, normal. Are, these words are canon now. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure. Sense. 
It most sucks sense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Felter the Archangel. See, chat is picking it up right where we're throwing it down. Well, Doc Scratch is just a different a different manifestation of the Trinity. Yeah, the, the, that's like when the Trinity was just a baby egg, mm-hmm. like ready to be hatched. And, into, and it, yeah, like, you know that part of the Old Testament where God is an internet is a, like a YouTube facts and logic all right yeah, guy. Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, that part is Doc Scratch. Uh, and obviously, I when know. I say Trinity, I'm talking man. about the character from The Matrix. <laughs> oh God. I haven't watched the movies, but I know so much about them. Yeah, the, so I watched The Matrix for the very first time just the other day. Um, oh, and, wow. Which is, it's actually remarkable that I spent so long not watching it because we have to, like, we have to acknowledge that, like, it's the most significant um, contribution by trans people to modern cultural media, like, ever, right? And Yeah, it really is. And when analyzed through that lens, like, it's it's very important to recognize it as a trans narrative. Um, and, like, it, it's... Uh, honestly, like, it's it's a fault of my own that I hadn't watched it beforehand. Uh, as Subrosian Smithy says in the in the chat, like, The Matrix is a movie about coming out as trans, no lies. Um, and, and it is... Uh, and I feel like this is a perfect segue into what we were going to talk about uh, on this on this episode, on this bonus episode, um, which is the the headcanon that's taking over the universe, <laughs> the headcanon that that's everywhere on Twitter, at least, uh, which is trans girl John. Yes, this is like I've been fighting for this ever since the epilogues came out. I think even before the epilogues came out, I can't remember. I don't have a good memory. Yeah, uh, but I have been fighting for this. I think Trans Girl John should be canon. I'm okay if it's staying as a head canon, but I think it should be canon because I think it's the next best step yeah. in John's character development. Well, you see that there's characters who haven't had like a definingly queer experience growing up. But like of the eight humans, the ones that didn't have any sort of definingly queer experience were John and Jane. Um, yeah. And like. B- Neither of them were happy in the epilogues, uh, and <laughs> like, to, and to varying different degrees. Obviously, Jane is, uh, I guess, successful. <laughs> would you would you say Jane? I, would you say Jane guess, Crocker has girl the, power? I guess in a fascist way, yeah. <laughs> would you say Jane Crocker effectively utilized girl power by funding paramilitary death squads in Northern Ireland? Yeah, wig. um shout outs to eric andre but yeah it's like and and like john just doesn't think about this stuff right like john's whole sort of character the basis of john's character is this sort of effortless moving from one place to another um and it's like we talked about in the last episode of the show uh i talked about with michael uh with michael lutz um which is like john has just been sort of guided by the story right like yes like John just does what's obliged. And the idea of, um, the idea that like John hasn't, well, it's explicit that John hasn't thought about gender. This is a line from the epilogues. Roxy, John, do you ever think about like gender? John's response is just three question marks. And then, uh, not really, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, like, sorry, go on. John's, John's entire like life has been just, going along with the flow and really just not giving more than like two seconds of thought to basically any of his decisions because he just goes with anything. Like that's basically his, in his, his role. He is the heir of breath. The, he just becomes breath. He becomes freedom. He becomes, he just goes with the flow. That's basically I think Wait, about this a lot, too, because John, like, flits about, like, creating these positive circumstances for other people, right? Like, it's John that gets Rose and Kanaya to, like, first start talking to each other, right? Yes. Um, like, it's John that gives the ring to Roxy, which makes Roxy Cowley possible, right? Like, John is all over the place enabling other people's queer experiences. Like, John's retcon makes Dave Cat possible, Um like John, like John's retcon makes Vris Resi happen in, yes. in the retcon timeline. Like, like yes. John enables all the queer relationships at Homestuck, basically. Um, but he doesn't 
Like, like he, and right, that's it. Like, as Doombot Mecca says in chat, like, he's defined. The first thing we see him doing is giving gifts to other people, right? Re- exactly. These really well thought out and sweet gifts to all of his friends. Um, yeah, he, he's like the definition of a friend that will care about everyone else, but won't really give the same time to himself. Yeah, exactly. And John has not been the beneficiary of the same kind of gift, right? He's enabled and created so many queer experiences without really thinking about it as it relates to himself. Um, Exactly. And I think, like, what, what is a better breath symbolism than, like, gender fluidity right like then discarding the the things that have constrained you right what it is not transgending doing the windy thing but in ultimate form (laughs) it basically is that's basically it yeah um and like i think that's an important part of freedom because like john and candy is not free john and candy feels absolutely trapped by like so many doing the jindy thing i like that john and candy (laughs) feels absolutely trapped by multiple like circumstances um and like at the end of the story you get this really gratifying moment where like john realizes that like i have the power to fix this like i have the power to have a meaningful life here i don't need to feel trapped in this meaningless side story right um yeah and i find that really inspiring especially when you look at like john's fractured relationship with roxy in the candy timeline and how roxy like as we saw in in their introspective text in candy um that like they had also sort of put off these gender realizations or like hadn't fully grappled with them because of the circumstances that they were in right and yeah now like that they've had these this big talk about it like i feel like the perfect next step is like look john egbert becoming epic divorce woman (laughs) oh my god and you know what way i would love to see her just go about and like realizing this I would want her to do a Vriska where she talks to herself, another version of herself, and everything kind of like falls into place. Because what would be better than John Egbert talking to like either like an alternate timeline version of herself or like some like retcon version of herself and bringing herself that freedom? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, and there's I, a lot I, of, and that would even further the parallels between John and Vriska, I think. Exactly. Um, and because, like, I think that there's a lot of trans reading, as, as I've talked about a lot on this show, for those who aren't familiar, like, I'm a pretty big interpreter of Vriska as trans. Um, and, like, I think for, like, the epilogues make this sort of point, um, sort of repeatedly, that, like, John, Vriska, and Terezi are these, like, characters that are set apart in terms of narrative importance and, like, realness right um yeah like all the moments in candy that like are real um are about john Vriska and terezi and like everything else sort of feels fakey almost right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um and like that's and and i agree i like your idea of like john actually because like, john doesn't introspect right exactly like, yeah John is just continuing to, like, run and exist. Um, like, like John has just continued to, like, go with the flow at all times. Um, and, yeah, like, like Kansas just got gay or said in chat, uh, John only interacted with other Johns because he had to go get shit done. And he only disregarded the other selves because he was busy. Um, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's, like, I think that it's a perfect next step for this character. Uh, like, I think that it's perfect for John's character, but... Also, I think that, like, um, even if you, like, like once you take that understanding of John's character and you also look at, like, what does that mean for Homestuck, right? Like, what is Homestuck? I think that Homestuck has, throughout its life, been uh, this, like, courageous and groundbreaking thing, right? Um, that has always been willing to push new boundaries of, like, what is represented in media. And you go to other media after Homestuck and just feels like like when there's gay characters they're minor like or they're constantly getting fucked over shout outs to the exactly, to the yeah. new EVA su- subtitles on the new Netflix oh God, yeah. like 
And part of part of what I think was a lot of people's very justified frustration with the Homestuck epilogues was like how um, in its illustration of the characters like failures to escape their flaws, it had a significant number of um, of like the gay characters or like characters sort of take a step back in terms of like understanding their own queer experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, <laughs> it's it's, <sighs> and, and and I here's the thing. That's the line of analysis. That's like the line of frustration with the epilogues that I most understand. Um, and like, I think personally that uh, it's it's a it's a very frustrating on purpose thing that makes it um, really gratifying. When John, like, like, I think, like, one of the emotion, like, the two emotional heights of Candy are when, like, John, like, loses control and, like, just, you know, the wind is, is blowing through Jane's house and, like, everyone's blowing up at each other and, like, things are finally breaking open, right? Like, John is finally yeah. doing something. Um, and then also Vriska's arrival means that things are happening. Real things are happening. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, like, it's... Like, it takes John doing something to actually, like, save Candy. Exactly. It's like, John doesn't know how else to, like, exist right now other than going through the, going by the flow and going with the flow. And letting John, if John actually, like, did stuff, it just, it seems to not feel right to John. So, like, that's why I feel like we don't, see a lot of John acting like you know out of except you know of like going by the flow if yeah, that makes exactly. sense well and you see in me that John literally goes with the flow to his death right yeah. <laughs> like like John just sort of like accepts this fate and duty and just sort of unquestioningly like proceeds to die <laughs> exactly like I, f- I feel like what John needs to learn is how to be the flow and make the flow part of him. Yes. So he includes himself. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> Don't just do the windy thing. Be the windy thing. Exactly. <laughs> like be, being an heir is becoming your aspect basically. Yeah. So and it, he, he's got part of it now. Yeah. And there's, there's people in the chat saying, I want to see um, trans. I want to see trans John Fick. Um, God, I want that so bad. Yeah, and it's like, well, uh, so Griever and David Turnbull, Trace Excalibur, who is a Friendstime writer, are both on Twitter posting some, like, really, really cool micro-fix uh, pretty mm. regularly, which I think is fantastic. Um, and, yeah, you can... <laughs> uh, like, so some of these are just absolutely incredible. And, um, like, you actually get, uh, as you were saying earlier, like, one of, one of Trace's fix uh, was about... Um, John having visions of other of other selves and mm. seeing that some of them are girls, um, and then having like a having you know a moment about that. <laughs> oh God, that's so good. Yeah, I I feel like if John was just exposed to multiple instances like all at once, like give give him a a a rose brain blast and. I feel like a lot of things come out of that. I feel like he'd be able to finally take some steps forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, well, and you know, you see, um, God, you see, like, yeah, Nell's doing, doing thick as well. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I've been reading parts of that. It's very good. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm so happy to see this explosion of thick and art that have happened in just the last few days about this reading of John. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm, it makes me really happy to see like that level of enthusiasm for it. And I think there's this great hunger for it because people like, if you care about Homestuck, like, I, like even I, who, who sort of makes not caring about boys into like an art form, um, <laughs> like if you care about Homestuck, you care about John because John is Homestuck, right? Like John exactly. like falls into the juju and sort of becomes Homestuck. Um, yeah. like John, like. John, as as we were talking about earlier, like John is so generous. John is so enabling. Like John makes 
all the good things in this story happen. Um, and without, and God, I just love John. Now I'm distracted by how much, like, I really do just have love and affection for John. And I think there is, there's a great hunger from me and from a number of other people to see John, like, grapple with his own feelings, um, and, like, understand himself in a more complex way. Um, and, like, no matter how you, how you see that happening, I think, like, there's a lot of enthusiasm for this trans feminine reading of John because of that fact of, like, we want John to introspect, right? And this is a problem, exactly. that, this is a problem that I think all four of the prospect humans have where they just are not very good at introspection, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, introspection isn't their, their thing. They just like to... They just like to see what's going on around them and just do it. Yeah, it's a family trait. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, right. it's a big family. And like, like you know, Jade doesn't introspect much. Like Jade sees, you know, Jade is is full of duty and obligation. Jake actively runs from understanding himself. Um, oh yeah, like Jake, Jake um, tries harder to not understand himself um, than he's ever tried at anything else in his life. <laughs> No wonder Dirk just does not like him anymore. Yeah, man. I mean, God, the, a heart player in someone else, someone who doesn't like to think about themselves is. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. It's a very it's a it's a challenging combination for sure. Like Dirk, yeah. who's Dirk, who is obsessed with the self, right? Uh, like yeah. Dirk, who is unhealthily obsessed with the self. Dirk, who who is practically solipsistic in his understanding of reality, right? Um, yeah. As J.R. Hyde says in chat, Dirk introspects so much that the pull of his introspective gravity forms a singularity. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, that's a great way of, like, explaining that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jake, who uh, is basically just a constant supernova of, of, like, of intentional obliviousness. Here's the thing. Jake isn't stupid. Jake gets called stupid a lot. And Jake sort of leans into this idea that he is stupid. Um, and part of that is, I'm sorry, I just saw Christian Moms Against Homestuck in the chat. And I, I love Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake is not stupid. Jake is very good at playing dumb to avoid responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and that's why he, he never really got far of his own quest. Yeah, exactly. And that's why he's infuriating to people who love him. Yeah, like, I feel bad for Jake fans because that boy is a disaster and became more of a disaster instead of, like, becoming less of a, of a disaster by the end of the comic. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry for you all. Yeah, and Jake sees this, like, <sighs> this horrible situation he's in in Candy as, like... <laughs> as this like as a duty right like these, yeah. all these all these fuckers are so obsessed with duty that they don't and like jane has inherited this idea of duty i mean she was um like supposed to inherit the condess's empire and still like never really left that mindset right yeah. um yeah they haven't really accepted that this is something else and they they can like act on like their own like ambitions they don't have to have a duty towards like everything in paradox space yeah. they can they can do what they want and this is what makes characters like Vriska, Teresi and Rose so powerful is that they understand that they make their own rules right mm-hmm. yeah. um like they understand that they that like they are not actually bound by the rules of the society that comes before um like they are not uh here let me read let me read a little bit of um of of Andrew Hussey's author notes uh, from yeah. uh, the most recent Homestuck book, book four. Um, uh, let's see here. <laughs> Take your time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of moralization that happens in stories, particularly those meant for young people. Little lessons built into everything we consume, which have a way of indoctrinating us on how to consume all stories forever. We always look for the moral of the story, the lessons of right versus wrong, sort of unconsciously. Cheating equals bad is a recognizable moral of this time. So when we see her ranting here about the need to cheat, as consumers of moral tales, our alarm bells go off. 
This is a bad person who has an immoral ethos, and she will likely be punished for this later, and we should want that as readers. The problem with this view is, of course, it's just not that simple. As a matter of valor and integrity, in a vacuum, yes, cheating is bad and immoral. However, in a situation you know to be rigged against you in certain ways, full of hurdles and milestones that are fundamentally meaningless, or even in some ways designed to mess with you or hold you back, is cheating then okay? Does it even count as cheating anymore, or is cheating just a negative word for what's actually the correct and logical solution to a murky problem, partially designed to deceive you and waste your time? This is part of what makes Vriska an intrinsic wedge character. She's always walking through the uncanny valley of morality with just about everything she says and does. Vriska's cheating policy, as a matter of cutting through the bullshit and embracing a strategy of speed-running Esperv to whatever extent possible, actually isn't a remotely bad idea in the context of their session. It seems to be very effective, and though there are a lot of bumps along the way, the trolls actually kick their session's ass and win fair and square. The universe slash frog they create turns out to be fruit from a poison tree, but that really isn't their fault. We are somewhat led to believe that they had a flawed approach to this game and were karmically punished for it when they tried to claim their reward. But that's mostly due to Karkat's projection and self-loathing rather than a true karmic sentence enforced by the text in response to their shortcuts and other, quote, moral indiscretions. From the reader's standpoint, it's tempting to parse it this way. I think, again, due to being so well-trained to view stories in such moralistic terms, where rewards come to those who do things the right way and punishment to the those who don't. Characters themselves are motivated to see things in this way, too, because they, like us, cut their teeth on tales with such morals. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, and I can understand why it's so hard for these characters to get their heads around that, because, like, where else do you see that? Like, who would really think about, like, going the way that you think is not moral to get your your way with a game like this yeah, like, exactly. it's a lot it's a lot to think about for a character like like Jake especially who's like he, i i could not see him doing that in in the game itself like i'm not surprised that he did not grow because like he just yeah i i, I don't know where i'm going with this thought anymore i've lost it like for one second, because uh-huh. I just, I just saw a giant mosquito on my wall. Very sorry. <laughs> okay, about that. like the true fact about Spurb is the truth is, game was rigged from the start. And Gumi, you couldn't hear me, but I just played Benny from Fallout New Vegas saying, "Truth is, game was rigged from the start." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> like the game was God. rigged, and, and here's the thing: is that the game is a is a metaphor for society, right? Like, and, and we live we live in a society. Um, yeah, but like, yeah. but no, really though, like the rules of Spurve are very much like a continuation of the rules of society that these characters leave behind, right? And yeah. the characters that are most successful um, leave, like, like leave the boundaries of both their society um, and their and their, like, and the game, right? Like, they are not constrained by either one. And it's notable, I think, that the primary antagonist of this story is like Caliborn, who is like obsessed with the mechanics of this game, the best at the mechanics of this game, right? The most powerful. Yeah creature that this game could possibly summon up right um and and also is obsessed with this certain societal viewpoint of this like shit lordy dude right (laughs) yeah and and you saw like how and again like you saw how upset um caliborn's view like shit lordy and misogynistic views made john Right? Like, John actually, like, throws a goddamn tantrum and punches, like, and beats the, like, beats the shit out of Caliborn. Um, yeah. Because of, like, how misogynistic and how shitlordy he's being. Like, John outright, yeah, he, in text, rejects that perspective of yeah, toxic when he masculinity. Gets, when, he, when he ends up in, in Homosuck, he's, he's just so grossed out by, like, everything going on. And it's... Uh, he's... John said women's rights yeah. is exactly... And here's exactly the thing, right. like, John is naive, right? Like, John doesn't have the full vocabulary to, like, understand these these issues of privilege and power, right? And you see that yeah. later in the comic with, like, John's conversation with Dave on the, on the, um, on the victory platform. And then also uh, in the epilogues where John and, and Dave talk about the uh, gay snooze button. Um, and that scene will be forever wedged in my head because I got to listen to it live with uh, fucking Dante Bosco vo- voicing John and James Roach voicing Dave. And I think that was maybe the best experience of my life. 
God, that's amazing. <laughs> God, um, I wish there was a network for that. <laughs> I, I believe Becca, Becca of Rizzle's Rizzle is, um, is, is going to put up a highlights video of that soon. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, but like John doesn't have the vo- That's the thing. John doesn't have the vocabulary to understand yeah. why that makes him so upset. Um, <laughs> it, it's also like, you have to think about it because like they left their planet at 13. They stopped really learning stuff at 13. Yeah. Of course they're not going to have this vocabulary. They were literally teenagers. Yeah, exactly. Who right. knows shit at age 13? I right. know I didn't. It's totally understandable. That's the thing. That's the thing is that like, that's what makes John so sympathetic. Um, exactly. I don't usually get super personal on the show, but like I'm someone who didn't understand what being trans was um, like growing up. Cause I grew up in the woods in North Florida. Um, and like, I wasn't on Tumblr growing up. And also like, I was just a, like a little bit too, I like almost missed like this sort of new generation of people, like talking about queer issues, like really openly on social media. Right. Like I, I didn't know where to find that community. I didn't know where to find these definitions and I didn't, have the words to understand how I felt yeah. about myself and my own relationship to gender, right? Like, I didn't yeah. even really think about it as, like, a... I didn't understand that being trans was a thing you could be, right? Yes, I had the same exact experience. Like, I figured out that I was trans very late in life because, like, I, despite living in literally New York City, I live in the most Republican area, so this stuff was, like, never talked about. I never saw it on TV, I never heard people talking about it. It took me stumbling upon Tumblr one day to even find out that being gay was a thing. Yeah. I didn't even know about that until, like, I was 13. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, it took um, working in politics, actually, uh, working with my local Democratic Party and um, getting involved then with the, like, LGBT caucus um, and, like, actually thinking for the first time and, like, meeting trans people in real life for the first time. Um, like, I went to a... I went to a fundraiser for a trans city council candidate in uh, in Orlando. Um, and I kind of, like... I kind of, like, had a freak-out moment where I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, right? And it's like, I guarantee you that John doesn't understand that trans is a thing you can be, like... Until like and, like and like Roxy and Callie don't tell him before he goes off and meet, um, <laughs> like and 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 Candy it never comes up right like John yeah. John it never gets introduced to this subject like yeah like like it's like not not like a big secret it's just like keep a lot of people in a lot of the characters that like are trans in this are just don't talk about it because of whatever reason they yeah. just. They just don't. They don't tell other people like, "Oh, hey, yeah, I'm trans, and here's here's what's being being trans is like." I feel like a lot of these characters are just like, "Yeah, no, um, don't you know what this is? I assumed you already knew." Yeah, and I think that that like that that yeah, and John doesn't get introduced until that last Roxy convo where they do touch on gender, right? And that's that's yeah. that's at the end of the story, right? What do you think exactly. that might be? What do you think that might be setting up? Why is that the last? Like, why is that one of the last emotional beats for John? Thinking emoji. Yeah, thinking emoji. Big think. Big if true. Like, you know, right? This is this is the thing where it's like I'm 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 actually like like I you know I I say constantly I am not in the business of prediction, right? Like I am not blade kind eyewear. I am not going to be like Dave Gamsey is in game and I'm going to throw throw my phone on the ground. <laughs> it's not <Yeah. laughs> um, or whatever, but like. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Blake oh and I were for the burn. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but like, I, but like, I, I do try to think about like, what is the next step, um, like for these stories, right? Like what would be a logical next place to go to, right? Like what, what do we think is being set up by these stories that we've seen, um, so far and, I do think, right, like, like again, this is far from just a, like, out-there headcanon for me, right? Like, I actually, yeah. I find it integral to, like, how I'm reading, um, like, to how I read this character and how I understand. And I think that every person who's ever been a closeted trans person understands, like, 
John in both meat and candy being like, I'm not happy and I don't understand why. Yeah, that's that's exactly it, because that's like the exact reasoning why I relate to John so much. Yeah. I had the same exact experience. I just want this to be the end game for yeah. John. Yeah, absolutely. And like we and we saw in um there's a little bit of sibling similarity because we saw in the narrative text in the epilogues that like um Jade also didn't understand that like being non-binary was a thing that you could be, right? Like like the narrative yeah. text directly calls that out when she's talking to uh to Roxy and Callie. Um she didn't know that, and she specifically would have liked to be that when she was younger, right? Like she which really tells you like that's not a that's not a like cis person's relationship to gender that Jade's thinking about right there. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like like I'm hoping that eventually, once we actually get some Jade Jade writing, mm-hmm. um, that we do see non-binary Jade. Yeah. I want her to realize that being non-binary isn't something you can just do when you're younger. Yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Right. And that, right. And that's such a, that's a common perspective too. Right. And I see so many trans people, like I, like I know trans people who are like 24 and they're like, I'm too old to transition now. And it's like, no, what the like, fuck no. is wrong with you? And that's part it's of like, why, no. right. And that's part of why I want, um, like that's part of why it's so important to me to have seen. That's why the, the scene with Roxy in Candy was one of the most important scenes in any media I've ever read um, yeah, to me. It, is it, that it was so impactful for for that reason, right? And why, like, like you know, seeing these middle aged characters of, in John and Roxy, like, understand uh, how, like, like understand that it's not too late. That's so stupid. It's your own gender. It's not. It's, you're never too late to understand yourself. Um, exactly. Like- Everyone's experience is different. Like, you, no one should compare their own trans experience to another person's trans experience because you're not that person. Yeah, exactly. Your experience is your own. And if that means that you figure it out later in life, even if it's, like, at 50 years old, that's fine. That's not late in life. That's just when you figured it out. Yeah, and this is an incredible point in in chat, because I was just thinking about this. You have to remember that a lot of these Homestuck epilogues are, like, about the characters trying to be human and failing because they're gods, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like they are gods, and Subrosian Smithy mentions that, like, Jade merges with a male first guardian and becomes a divine androgene. Jade, this doesn't mean anything. And it's like, it's true, right? Like, gods, as we traditionally conceive them, do not have strong attachments to gender, right? Like, you know, you look back, you, you, like... They're gods, right? Like, they are... Yeah, uh, they don't have to care about gender. Exactly. And you look at, like, the Jewish conception of God, and, like, that is not a... Like, like the the modern, like, Reformed Judaism conception of jo- God is, like, not a... Like, a fo- like a force that is not gendered, right? That is yeah. commonly understood and talked about as he, but is actually, you know, something much... Something that transcends gender, right? And I think that's true of the gods in Homestep, too, right? And it's just that a lot of them are intentionally suppressing their own understanding of it, right? And you see that as well, where a lot of characters are intentionally suppressing their own understanding of themselves to pretend to be human, to pretend to be, um, like, you know, to pretend to be, to live out these mundane fantasies of a normal life from the society they grew up in, right? They are not acting like gods. They are acting like just what you know they're acting like traumatized people who just want to retreat into what they knew before exactly like i was gonna say they're acting like kids they're acting like they're gods that are basically dressing up as as kids that don't know anything when honestly like they don't know anything they're just gods that don't know anything like they they need to get out there and like just talk to each other yeah exactly That's, that's it and and like they through... have to sit down and have a nice little group discussion with literally everyone on Earthsea <laughs> and figure things out. All right, everybody. Yeah, it's like Earthsea is a group project um, where really only like only a couple people are trying. Exactly. Like we need <laughs> what we need is them to go to the local LGBTQ center and just sit down for um, like L- like LGBT history one hundred one and just let them understand right and here's the thing is like also they don't engage with the culture of this world that they created um like (laughs) in any meaningful way yeah like we see that from john like so much like i don't know if john got out at all for the 
past couple of years he well, was gone. I think I think it's very interesting and very important that like the first we see of John in the epilogues is that he is surrounded by these like salamanders these like very simple creatures that are all yeah. acting out these impressions of like heteronormative human lives. You know, they're wearing hats and like living yes. in houses with mailboxes and raising kids, right? Like he is literally retreated into a simulacrum of heteronormativity. <laughs> oh my God. He really did. He, he just surrounded himself in the most basic ass heterosexual, heteronormative area he could ever be in. Because like, I mean, obviously the salamanders don't know what else to do? Because they're the salamanders. They're right. just game concepts. Well, that and really... remember, they were John's. They were John's uh, consorts. Yes. So yeah, that even make, that makes it even more like my God. Loas is a microcosm of white suburbia, as Coe says, and like I think that's right. Like John. Yeah, that's like, exactly it. Like John inherit like. John inherits this sort of suburban conception of self. This typical conception of self. Um. And like, oh man, <laughs> like all these kids, they're just continuing to like, they're just continuing their suburban existence. Right. And, and it takes, it takes transformative action and it takes an outside perspective. And part of it is that like, it takes the trolls perspective to improve humans and the, and humans that mm-hmm. disregard the troll perspective fail. Right. And the trolls yeah. that disregard the human perspective also fail. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, this is all a metaphor for how communication and understanding and empathy can help us not just understand ourselves, but understand each other and make a better society. Exactly. And, and you can embrace being a god and be a benevolent and interesting god um, without being Dirk. And I think that's very important to note, is that like... yeah. In the end, like Dirk still like Dirk is the exact opposite end of the spectrum in terms of problems where he has a self obsession. Um, like, <sighs> um, <laughs> God. Yeah. And it's like, like Dave, like Dirk is still like trying to be like a, huh? Dirk is, Dirk is still trying to be like, he's, he's like God, the, the machinist from like the, um, uh, what is it? What is it? The it was like this. Uh, it was this understanding of Christianity that was popular in, uh, especially America in the late 1700s, um, hmm. that like sort of removed the su- de- deism. Thank you, Gretchen. Yeah, um, yeah, deism. Right. Like, like Dirk is this very deist god where he thinks like I, you know, I am, I am just a, a machine operating like f- without feelings and thought, without really recognizing or understanding that pretty much all of his actions are actually motivated by feelings, right? Like, like exactly. he got his heart broken by a, by a boy he thinks is stupid. Um, and, God. and yeah. And, and storming the ivory tower had an article about Dirk as a satanic a- analog, right? And like, like AR, right? Like, like Dirk thinks he is objective. He is convinced he is objective. Um, and is not, he's just not right. Um, yeah, exactly. Because he, understands himself only as a god and not as a human right and this is this is also like to get back at it like john is a jesus figure because jesus is the son of man jesus is both a human and a god right and like that's what the that's what early christianity like viewed as extraordinary about jesus right was a, a a person with the like limitations of a person um with the mortality of a person imbued with a divine spark Yes. Man, John needs to... So basically what I'm saying is that Meet John maybe died for our sins. John is this now. Congrats, everyone. Yeah. So it's either John or Gamzee or Jesus. I hope it's John. Yeah, um, I'm retconning Gamzee being Jesus. It's now John. We have to draw over that picture of Gamzee. Yeah. <laughs> crucified gamzee is still as important as a sort of political symbol for us to rally around though true yeah <laughs> gamzee is gretchen gretchen thomas says in chat gamzee yeah, is a yeah, false I christ i like that so jesus is trans then here's the thing jesus was an outcast in his own time um jesus was a was a leader of rebels who who forgave 
who walked with and forgave thieves and 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 prostitutes uh who who dismantled the power structures of his time who marched into jerusalem riding a donkey um at, you know as a like as a as a direct challenge to to the powers that be so yes jesus is trans and and like like jesus is every person who is ever who has ever been marginalized who has ever been put upon by babylon right by the by the metaphorical babylon um and like in that way like that's 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 part of like what made like jesus's outsider movement so important to early christians right and why they were they were so marginalized um Yeah, Jesus is punk, right? Exactly, Nat Juno. Jesus, Jesus is punk. Is punk. Yeah, correct. I can't believe I'm sounding so much like a youth pastor right now. You're the homestuck youth pastor. I, am I actually the homestuck youth pastor? I'm kind of just coming to this realization, and it's maybe making me feel a little. It's making me feel weird. Yeah, you know what? You are. You are. I don't appreciate um, how quickly everyone in chat do- said yeah to that. Do what you must, Kate, to just, like, accept this realization, because I'm pretty sure this is exactly your role in the fandom now. Yeah, it's like, gamers, I know that, I know that Homestuck is lit, but did you know that Jesus is also lit? He did is Sunday School. He did is Sunday School. Is Vast God. Error the New Testament? Yes. Because, we all right. have finally agreed to- Pigeon Pod Live. Pigeon Pod Live is basically vacation Bible school. God. <laughs> I hate it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. Oh my goodness. Um God. Yeah, I would be Christian if this is what church was like. It can be. I think I would. I, just, I need to start rapping. You, you, you do know that I do rap, right? Like I have posted multiple raps online. Like Kate raps. Like we, we just need Kate. Kate, do rap right now, and we could just canonically say that this Homestuck is just Christianity, but better. My name's Kate Mitchell, and I don't freestyle. I can write you a song, but it'll take me a while. <laughs> There we go. That works. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. So I really don't. I don't freestyle. A new, a new religion. Yeah. So I think that's our show. Um, <laughs> I don't. I can't think of any better way to end it than on that. Um, I'm I'm Kate Mitchell. You can find me on Twitter at twittercom gamblignant 8 uh, You can find my main where I talk about Overwatch League politics, uh, water water sanitation committees, and various other uh, insane things at Kate Mitchell WA. Um, and uh, you can find this show at perfectlygenericpodcast.com. Uh, this podcast is on Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, wherever you get podcasts. Uh, personally, if you want a podcast client, um, that's if you use iOS and you want a podcast client that's free, developed by an independent developer, and beautifully designed, I recommend Overcast uh, by Marco Arment. And uh, the uh, Perfectly Generic podcast is on the Overcast podcast listing. Um, <laughs> and uh, this episode will also be uploaded to the feed as a bonus episode. Um, uh, supporters and patrons of the show can find it at patreon.com slash pgenpod. Um, and... Uh, Patrons are incredibly important. I appreciate them so much. Uh, they this is a bonus episode, so I'm not doing the like the typical listing. We have a regular episode tomorrow with Pip, um, and uh, and and uh, supporters on Patreon can find the exclusive uh, intermission podcast, which is bonus episodes of Pigeon Pod that tend to be a little loose, a little wacky. Maybe feet come up a little bit more than on the main show. There's a lot of Sonic. There's a lot of, a Sonic, lot of Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog for reasons I don't fully understand. Um, I understand. Yeah. It's okay, Kate. <laughs> um, you don't have to understand. I don't. I will never understand. Um, yeah. Gumi, where can folks find you? Um, you can usually find me in the marshes around your house. Or if you'd like to actually talk to me, you can find me at... IRLGumi on Twitter.com. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and and uh, folks, this has been part of uh, Stuck at Home Con. I'm sorry about the music coming in loud. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, I really do. I apologize. I tried to try to bring it in. Um, <laughs> uh, this is part of Stuck at Home Con. Gumi, could you tell us a little bit about Stuck at Home Con and where folks can watch some other things? All right. So Stuck at Home Con is it. It is the first ever Homestuck convention held online. You can find that at, um, let me make sure I get the link correct. Okay, so you can find info about the convention at www.sawcon.com. That's S-A-H-D-O-N.com. And you should be able to find a link to the server that everything is going on at, like, in that website. Um... We are doing, I think the next, the next panel after this is going to be Friends and Fandom. Um, going to be a Carcalicious panel. Um, I'm also doing a panel for uh, Hive Swap at 5 p.m. Eastern. That is going to be um, me playing Hive Swap for the first time because guess what? I'm one of those losers who has not played Hive Swap yet. Um, so come join me like at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, panel room E. I'm going to be doing that. You can make fun of me for that. That's fine. Um, and we also have a really nice artist alley with a lot of like really awesome artists. Like We're all offering like con rate... Um, missions right now i would absolutely suggest go checking that out and like just tipping or just giving some money or commissioning like some of these artists because they're so talented please please just tell them they're talented because i can't go up to everyone right now and do that because i am also moderating i just want to give everyone so much love (laughs) Well, thank um, you so much for your hard work making yeah. this happen to you thank and all you. the mod team. Um, I had a wonderful time being here. Uh, I will upload this uh, audio to the to the main podcast feed later. Um, don't know exactly when. You can tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're doing an episode on Snowbound Blood, a vast era story, which is the visual novel game um, that uh, me and a team of incredibly talented people are making, um, uh, including Koei, who's in chat. Uh, the lead programmer for the game. Uh, Pip and I are going to be talking about the writing process and a little bit more about uh, Cecily Opara's character, the ultimate MILF. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's all, everybody. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, y'all. <laughs> You're sewing a Cecily... Wait, somebody in chat... Hello. Somebody in chat is sewing a Cecily coat? Are you going to cosplay Cecily and murder me? If you, if you cosplay Cecily, send me those photos right now. Yeah, I will actually, I will actually die. Nobody's ever cosplayed one of my characters before. I will, oh I will die. God. All right, excellent. This has been the Perfectly Generic Podcast, part of the PGN Pod Network. Bye. Wait, you're, wait, hold on. What? This person comes to New York City live show. I'm going to give you a special sticker for that. Yes, Gumi, get a picture with Cecily, please. God. Great. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you. See you. See you later. See y'all.